many of you guys remember MySpace? Remember MySpace? How many of you had a MySpace account? All right, be honest. How many of you still have a MySpace account? Gary Durbin. I kid you not. No, no it's inactive and all that. He's like, yeah, I think it's still there anyway. But, uh, well, uh, I'm going to tell you a very true story. It happened about 10 years ago, and it started on MySpace. Uh, there was a guy named Michael who wanted to play a practical joke on his friend Aaron. And so Michael got Aaron's login password for his MySpace account. He went on to Aaron's MySpace account and through it sent a message to a girl in their town threatening rape. Bad idea. That bad practical joke, just for the record, right? Write that one down. But anyway, so that's what he did. And so uh, Michael thought it'd be funny that this girl thought Aaron was going to, you know, whatever. And so uh, what happened is this girl had a friend named Daniel. Daniel's 17 years old at the time. And uh, he felt very protective and defensive of his friend, this girl, understandable. He started uh, barraging Aaron with messages, uh, threatening him. Uh, racial slur was in one of them. And then the last one was, we're coming over. He got three of his friends. So the four of them headed over to Aaron's house. He said, I'm going to kill you. So as he showed up, uh, Aaron and his father, John, went out on their front porch and they were armed because they thought these guys were coming to kill his son, John's son. So a big argument that got heated at the culmination of it. The father, John, shot Daniel in the face. Daniel died. And here's the thing. We just heard a true story of manslaughter. And that father went to prison for a long time for that. And all because of a lie. All because a lie was told and a lie was believed. And they responded to a lie. And it was, I'll tell you what, lies destroy lives. Lies destroy lives. Now, in this series, Lies We Believe, we are not talking about lies that we tell each other. We're not talking about big lies that end in death and imprisonment. We're talking about the subtle lies that we tell ourselves right up here. They're on repeat in our brain, going over and over and over. Lies that we believe, and lies still destroy lives. These are called cognitive distortions by the shrinks. I know that because we have a counselor in our congregation, Matt Canaby. Actually, he's our electric guitarist this morning. Uh, he sent me an article uh, about this area, helping me out to, to prepare for this week. Uh, sent me an article by a guy named John Grohall. He's a doctor of psychology. And here's what he said about these cognitive distortions, these lies we believe. Said cognitive distortions are simply ways that our mind convinces us of something that isn't really true. These inaccurate thoughts are usually used to reinforce negative thinking or emotions. Telling ourselves things that sound rational and accurate, but really only serve to keep us feeling bad about ourselves. Here's how I want you to hold on to that. Believe a lie and it will become your life. Believe a lie, and it will become your life. Now, God is a God of truth. God is truth. We also know from John chapter 8, verse 44, that the devil, the evil one, Satan, Satan is the father of lies, right? He's the father of lies. And so we've got these lies bouncing around in our heads, and we need to know those don't come from the voice of God. That is Satan whispering into our heads, and we're listening. We're listening over and over. 
And what we do then is we carry these lies around. I heard one pastor who was talking about this area. He revert, referred to them as invisible suitcases. Because they're heavy and they're loaded and they're weighing us down. We're dragging this with us all the time. All these lies in our head are like baggage. And you can't see my baggage. They're invisible, but they're up here and they're weighing me down. They shape us. If you believe a lie, it becomes your life. Weighs you down. These thoughts then, these thinking, these lies, they have ramifications. They ripple throughout our life. Maybe you've heard this quote. I've shared it before. If you sow a thought, you reap an action. Sow an act, you reap a habit. Sow a habit, you reap a character. Sow a character, you reap a destiny. Now, we're actually not sure who started this quote. Uh, Some say that it came from Ralph Waldo Emerson. Some say it came from James Allen. Since we're not really sure, it could be Wayne Gretzky, maybe even Michael Scott. We're not sure, right? Uh, We don't know. We don't know. But I'll tell you what, don't miss the quote. Look, it starts right up here. Just starts with the thought, a lie that I believe, and it ripples throughout my life, and if you believe a lie, it will become your life. And that is why Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says this, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. That word keep is the word guard. Like you're supposed to guard your thoughts. Be careful. Don't let lies take over there. Guard your heart. Because from that, that's going to, you believe a lie, it'll become your life. Be very, very careful. And so in this series, we want to unpack and, and start to combat some of these lies that we believe upstairs, right? And the very first one that we're going to tackle today is this. I am worthless. This is a big one. Now, we know out of the gates, as I was doing research this week, I know this is not true. I am worthless. Why? I came across this meme. Look at this. You are never worthless. Organs go for a lot on the black market. (laughs) And that is completely unhelpful, right? That does not help at all. So back to our, so I am worthless, okay? Now, as far as the lies that we believe up here, this is a biggie. This is a really big deal for a lot of people. Let me start to get at it this way. How many, any, you guys like Harry Potter? You like Harry Potter? Okay, so you weren't Christian homeschool kids. Okay, I get it. So you were allowed to watch. I understand. Okay, so whether, whether movies or, or books, either way, uh, Harry Potter, great, love it. My daughter, huge fan. When you think about how the, the story starts out, very first one, Harry feels worthless, Right? He's just an unwanted cousin, an unwanted nephew. He's poor. He's an orphan. He is worthless. He's being told by the people around him he's worthless. He hears it. He believes it. His life, he, his life is crap. He is worthless. But here's the thing. He doesn't know he's not worthless. Turns out he's actually a very powerful, talented wizard. Turns out there's actually a whole bunch of people who love him and admire him and are thinking about him and are watching out for him. Turns out he's actually got a lot of gold in Gringotts and he doesn't even know it. He's rich. Remember, Hagrid is incredulous. They didn't tell you, Harry. No, they wanted him to, they lied to him. They wanted him to believe the lie and he did. By the way, that is a trick that a lot of movies use to suck us in. It's brilliant. You know why? Because we emotionally relate to that. That's our emotional reality. Because we feel worthless. 
And we, we see in that story, we go, maybe I'm like Harry. Maybe there's an alternate version to my story that I don't know about. So that maybe this is like, maybe I actually have worth I don't know about. Maybe, maybe I'm not worthless. That's what we hope. But unfortunately, we've got this tape playing over and over upstairs. I'm worthless. I am worthless. I am worthless. And it comes out in many different fashions. Look at this. I'm ugly. I'm stupid. I'm a screw-up. I'm not good enough. I never will be. Never will be. I'm unskilled. I'm unlovable. Nobody loves me now. Nobody will love me later. later. I'm unlovable. I am worthless. You feel that, right? You've heard that. Those tapes play over and over. I am worthless. And if you believe a lie, it will become your life. So what what if I'm not Harry Potter, though? Excuse me, what if I am Harry Potter? What if I'm not worthless? What if there's another version of my story that is more truth about me that I don't know yet? So to get at that, one of the things I want to ask is this. Where does this lie come from? When, When I say I am worthless and I hear that, where does that come from? Now, a lot of times that comes from things that were said to us or done to us. Oftentimes in childhood, some of you had parents who told you you are worthless, and that stuck. Sometimes, though, it's not like big figures in your story. Sometimes it's a small part, a small role player who just said an offhanded comment one day, but that little comment went down deep and it stuck, and you've been responding to that comment for the rest of your life, all the way till now. I'm worthless. So sometimes it's things that were said or done to us. But you know what? Sometimes it's things that we think were said to us, but they weren't, right? So sometimes I think my wife doesn't love me. Now, you know my wife. She's a precious, awesome woman. She loves me. You know she loves me. She's never even come close to saying, I don't love you. She hasn't said that. But sometimes I'll respond to her, as if she doesn't love me. I've heard her say in my mind, not from her lips, but in my mind, I've heard her say, I don't love you. And it's just as emotionally powerful in my mind as if she had said it. She never said it. So sometimes it's things people said to us. Sometimes it's things we think they said to us, but they haven't. Or also, look at this third one. Sometimes it's things we say to ourselves. Okay? I'm ugly. Nobody's ever said I'm, uh, th- to me that you're ugly. But I look at the world and I see all the beautiful people. And I look in the mirror and I conclude, I'm ugly. Nobody ever said it. I just concluded it. Sometimes it's stuff others say. Sometimes it's stuff we say. But ultimately, who whispers those lies? It's the evil one. These are things that Satan says to us. The devil, the evil one, is the father of lies. He is whispering those things. And we're listening to him. Now look up at that list. So you got other people, you got yourself, and you got Satan. Who's not on the list? Yeah, where's God? Where's God in the midst of that? He's not whispering that in there. We're not letting God weigh into this. Look, if the question is, are you worthy? Do you have worth? Don't you think we ought to let God weigh into that? Like, why is our entire data set to answer that question, us, other people, and Satan? Why don't we let God speak into that one? And it's important because the worth of something always changes based on who you ask. Do you remember the show uh, Antiques Roadshow? Remember that? That's the show that got all of you to go look in your attic. <laughs> what do I have? What do I have, right? Now you find some in your attic and you, you're pretty convinced it's junk. 10, maybe 20 bucks. It's not worth anything. 
you take it to an antique store. Now, that's not an expert. That's somebody who's just making a buck running a store. But they say, hey, that's worth 100 bucks. I'll give you 100 bucks for it. You go to another antique store. That guy's actually shady. He knows how much it's worth. He's trying to rip you off. I'll give you 200 bucks. And then you go to the Antiques Roadshow. You go to an actual expert, an appraiser who knows value. He says, that's worth $2,000. I had no idea. Right? So, so yourself, you can't appraise it well. Other people, they don't appraise it well. Then you got the shady store owner. That's Satan trying to rip you off. He's lying to you. Or you can go to God and let him give an appraisal of your life, give you the real answer, the real value. And that's what we want to do. We want to hear from God. Now, why God? Why God? Because, let me ask you this. How do you combat a lie? With the truth. That's right, with the truth. God is the speaker of truth. Satan is the whisperer of lies. We need to go to God, right? But check this out. When I said, how do you combat a lie? Here's two things you didn't say in response. Number one, you didn't say, you just delete it. Just delete the answer. That won't work, and let me tell you why. Nature abhors a vacuum, right? So sometimes what we say is, I'm here and I'm worthless. I'm worthless. I'll just stop listening. Just delete. But there's a vacuum there. So when I take I'm worthless out, I, I didn't fill it with anything. There's a void. It sucks it right back in, right? Have you ever tried to stop hearing that? And it just keeps going. You can't just delete you have to replace it. You have to fill it with something else. Okay, so here's the second thing that you didn't say. How do you combat a lie? You didn't say, replace it with another lie. Right? But I'll tell you what, in this area, sometimes that's what we do. This is why self-esteem doesn't work. Because sometimes the answer is, just give yourself a self-esteem and I'm awesome pep rally. Okay, maybe it reminds you, Saturday Night Live. Daily Affirmations with Stuart Smalley. Remember, for those of you who don't, you're welcome. I deserve good things. I am entitled to my share of happiness. I refuse to beat myself up. I am an attractive person. I am fun to be with. Daily Affirmation with Stuart Smalley. Stuart Smalley is a caring nurturer a member of several 12-step programs, but not a licensed therapist. I'm going to do a terrific show today, and I'm going to help people, because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Hello, I'm Stuart Smalley. Okay, that's enough. So, <laughs> actually, that's me every morning before a sermon. No, I don't do that. How many of you watched that, though, and you went, you know what, that guy should go into politics? No. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, uh, here's the deal. Listen, uh, is that where we're going today? No, it's not where we're going. Because that's just replacing one lie with another lie. That's an I'm awesome pep rally. And there's a couple problems with it. The, the first problem is that you're still the source of information. So now you're just telling yourself that you're awesome. You haven't swapped it for the voice of God. It's just still your voice. And the problem with that is you're an idiot. <laughs> so, counselors tell me, you can't say that. I'm not a counselor, all right? So I get to do it anyway. But, but look, we're not good at appraising the value. And we haven't swapped it for the voice of God. It's still our own voice telling us we're awesome. It doesn't work. 
And the second problem is it's not true. And if it's not true, I'll never believe it. I know that I'm not awesome. I know I've got faults. I know I've got failures. I know I've, I, I'm terrible at times. And so if the answer is just tell myself I'm awesome, I know that ain't true. So I've tried to replace one lie with another and it won't work. So if the solution is not a vacuum that I just don't listen to it anymore, nothing, that won't solve it. Okay? So if that's not the solution, and if the solution is not to replace it with another lie, to have a I'm awesome pep rally, then how do I get rid of this voice that's telling me I'm worthless? And the way you combat a lie is with the truth. And so we need to train our brains to listen to truth from God, not whispers of lies from the evil one. How do we do that? Well, we go to the source of truth. God himself, through his word, we will be looking at the word today. And what I want you to come away from it with is this one big idea. I want you to go from worthless to unworthy. Now, you think those are the same word. You think those are a lot alike. Actually, there's a world of difference between those. And we'll see it as we go through the scriptures today. Let's look at the big story. We'll start out with this truth right here. God decided to make you. I didn't say God made you. That's true. I said God decided to make you, which means before he even created you, you were born in his mind, in his heart. He made a decision to have you in his world. Maybe you've seen this meme. I love this. How cool is it that the same God that created mountains and oceans and galaxies looked at you and thought the world needed one of you too? Isn't that cool? What it means is that God is a great artist, right? And he's making this masterpiece, this beautiful portrait of creation. He's, he's got it almost all the way done. Everyone else is looking. All the angels are going, looks good to me. It's done, right? God's standing back. No, 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 lacks something. He walks up to the canvas and with one stroke, he makes one flourish. Perfect. Now it's done. That last stroke was you. He walked up to the canvas. He said, no, until I make you, until I put you, it's not done. He chose to make you. You understand, he didn't need you in the, like, as the universe, we don't need you. You don't have to be here. God disagreed. I need them in the picture. He chose you. You can't be worthless. God chose to make you. Oh, and then secondly, look at this. Oh, you know what? Before I go to that, let me tell you Psalm 139. Psalm 139 verse 14 actually backs this up. It says, I praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. In layman's terms, God don't make no junk. That's all that says right there. Look at the second sentence there. Wonderful are your works, which means God doesn't make junk. He makes wonderful stuff. And by the way, he made you. You can't be worthless, right? You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God chose you. Right now, secondly, how did he make you? He made you in his image. You are created in the very image of God. We know that from Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Which means out of all the creation, as human beings, we are uniquely made in the image of God. Our ability to love and to communicate, to have relationship, to worship, to have dominion. We are created in the image of God. What's that mean? Like, have you ever seen, like, a beautiful mountain range and then a very still lake in front of it and you see, like, the reflection? It's almost like you see the mountain range up and down. Maybe you've seen pictures of that. Maybe, maybe you've seen it live. It's beautiful, okay? 
The, the reflection in the water, that's the image, right? So that's us. God is beautiful. We reflect his glory. We reflect his image, and it's a gorgeous picture. That's our goal. We reflect him. We are made in his image. Now, if that's true, that you are made in the image of God as a human being, can you ever be worthless? It's a lie. That's a lie. God is now speaking truth. He's weighing in. He is declaring some value to us. And then thirdly, we were given dominion over the earth. So you read the first two chapters of the Bible. We understand that Adam and Eve were given dominion over the creation, which means they had a role to play. They had a mission in God's kingdom. They have a purpose. And if you have purpose, guess what? You have worth. You you can't be purposeful and worthless. Okay? So you're given dominion. Now, the unfortunate thing is, you know bullet point number four is coming, right? We broke it. Then we broke it. And this is where things started to go awry. What happened is Adam and Eve and us in them, we, we used to look to the very face of God for our value, right? So they got to walk in the garden with God. They could look at God's face. They knew they were worthy. They had worth. But then one day they started listening to the whispered lies of Satan. And as a result, they decided to not look to the face of God, but instead they looked elsewhere and they looked to a piece of fruit. And in that moment, we lost relationship with God. When we lost relationship with God, we couldn't see his face anymore. We were kicked out of the garden. We've been groping for worth ever since that moment. And right away, Adam and Eve, you know what they did? They sewed fig leaves together. They hid from God. That's ridiculous, but they did it. They started blaming each other. And we're doing similar things today, right? We are not looking to the face of God to get our worth. You know where we look? Beauty, intelligence, success. Success is an interesting one. We have status symbols, right? Things we buy and own. And you know what we do with those status symbols? We are shouting to the world, I have worth. And it's a cover-up because I don't believe it. I don't believe it up here that I have worth, but I'm shouting to the world that I have worth. That's what a status symbol does. We go to beauty and intelligence and, and success. We look to the face of others. Not to the face of God. We look to the face of others. Do I have worth? Do I have worth? It's a shoddy appraisal system right there. Then we do comparison. Maybe if I'm more worthy than somebody else, I feel okay about myself. One of the interesting things in the development of history of man, uh, again, we used to look to the face of God and get our value there. When we lost that, we started to go to comparison. One of the things that came along to help us with that is the invention of the mirror. Now, for mo- you think this is like old school technology and been around forever. In the grand scheme of mankind, this is actually relatively modern. Because for a long time, mirrors were not very good. They didn't give a good reflection. And the only people that could afford them were like the ultra-wealthy, the royalty. So the fact that we, common folks, all have tons of mirrors and they give a perfect image, that is like relatively modern. But here's how this played out. So what would happen is, uh, wives, your husband would tell you, you are beautiful. And you'd believe it. You'd believe it. You conclude from that that I'm beautiful. Now, you're able to look out and you see other women. You go, she's gorgeous. Oh, my goodness, she's a beautiful woman. But my husband told me I'm beautiful. I believe it. But then what happened is you got a mirror. 
This came along, and you're able to go, actually, I'm a dude, so I go, man, I look good. <laughs> that's what guys do, right? But that's why I'm using the wife in this illustration. Anyway, so, so when, what do you, do? you got the mirror, and you go, my husband's lying to me. I'm not beautiful. I can see, now I can compare myself to, every, and then you know what happened? Then social media came along, which is mirrors on steroids, Right? And now you can compare yourself to everyone else and you're losing that game and you walk away from the mirror and you walk away from the, from the device and you go, I'm worthless. I'm worthless. I'm worthless. And then we buy another lie that it's okay, it's okay, I'll break the curse. I'll overcome the curse. I'll work harder. I'll be better. And then people will like me. You realize you're still trying to seek your, your value, your worth in the face of others. And you're lying to yourself that you'll be able to break the curse. You'll never break that curse. Never. But I have good news. Jesus already did. Jesus broke that curse. And so that's where we go next, that we are purchased by the blood of Christ. You were redeemed at a price. 2,000 years ago, on a hill called Calvary, God put a price tag on your soul. Jesus. Want to know what you're worth? The death of the Son of God. It's crazy. Look in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 to 19. Knowing that you were ransomed. Ransomed, that's what was paid for you. You were paid for. Redeemed. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers. That's what I've been talking about so far. You were ransomed from all that, not with perishable things, such as silver or gold. No, no. But with the precious blood of Christ. That's the price that was paid for you. You want to know what you're worth? Jesus. It's crazy. What, what, okay, I, I've talked before about my truck. I've got a 2009 Chevy pickup truck. And I would gladly sell it to you for $50,000. <laughs> That's my baby. That's what I think it's worth. But you know what we find out? I was an economics major. I learned that something is only worth what somebody is willing to pay for it. Right? You know that. Okay, what about you? You're only worth what somebody's willing to pay for you. God paid Jesus for you. That's your worth. That's how much. It's crazy. Now, let me ask you this. Did you earn it? No. Do you deserve it? No. You're unworthy but you are far from worthless. See the difference? You are unworthy, but you are far from worthless. And then God went further. He placed you in Christ. If you put your faith in Christ, you are placed in Christ. This is in quotes because that phrase, in one form or another, shows up 164 times in the New Testament in the writings of Paul alone. It's a very important theme in the New Testament. You are in Christ. What does that have to do with today? Okay, forget yourself for a second. Put yourself aside. Let me ask you this. How do you think God the Father looks at God the Son? What do you think is the expression on God the Father's face as he looks at God the Son? Joy, pleasure, pride, love, right? You are in Christ. When God goes to look at you, he's looking at you in Christ. The way you think God looks at the Son, that's how he looks at you. 
That's crazy. You are in Christ. And then he went further. He adopted you as a child of God. Now, listen. Some people, sometimes we say everybody is a child of God. That's not true. Biblically, that's not true. Everybody is a creation of God, but only those who place their faith in Christ actually become children of God. You'll see that in places like 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. Look at this. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. Did you get that? Love that God's given to us. God the Father. Not hate. Not, not he's upset at you, ticked at you, disappointed in you, angry at you. No, no, no. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. We'll get his face back. So here's the thing. If you're in Christ, you are adopted as a child of God. Now, God is the king. You know God's king, right? If you're a child of the king, that makes you what? You're a prince. You're a princess. You're royalty. That's just fact, right? Now, the... the, Scripture is pretty clear. You're royalty in exile. You're royalty in hiding. The world doesn't recognize you as such, but that'll be revealed later. That'll come to light. Now, it's royalty by grace, right? Like, so you don't go around arrogant and cocky because you didn't earn it. You are unworthy. But if you are God's royal child, can you ever say that you are worthless? That's insanity. That's a lie. Now, how do you think, then, that this would impact the cognitive distortions, the lies that we believe? Like, if tomorrow morning, instead of waking up thinking, I am poor, I'm a wretch, I'm miserable, I'm a rebel against the king, the king is mad at me, he's trying to hunt me down. What if instead you woke up to the reality that I am a beloved child of God, adopted, an heir along with Christ, I'm royalty. Think that would maybe affect your day a little bit? If you don't believe me that this is true, I'm going to give you just one last scripture today. And I want you to hear this. I want you to let this sink down in. Because these lies, they're deep down in. You've got to let this sink deep, okay? Listen to this out of 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. It begins by saying, but you are a chosen race. Now, this is speaking to all the people of God from various races around the world. And what it's saying is there's not like different races, like we'll keep our beauty and, and diversity, but we're folded into one race, one people of God. Right? So, so it says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, royalty. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Do you see it? We're called out of darkness. The darkness is that we're worthless. We believe we're worthless and we were right. That was darkness, but we were called out of that, not because we we deserve it, it's by mercy, we're unworthy. But then he made us 
His, his people, his children, royalty. We're not worthless. That's amazing. And then he did one last thing, and I'll, I'll end with this bullet point. You were given a kingdom mission. You know what that means? We get dominion back. We have a mission in the kingdom of God. We have a role to play. We have purpose. If we have purpose, we have worth. And so I said, listen, believe a lie and it will become your life. So don't believe the lie, I am worthless. But here's the bit. You believe another lie that goes with it. All the while I'm telling myself I'm worthless, I think you will people have it together. Right? I think you think, feel great about yourselves. And that's a lie too. And you got to realize that everyone out in this world are hearing the same lies. They're being beat up day in, day out. I am worthless. I am worthless. Why don't you go out there to bless their socks off? To help them move from worthless to unworthy. You've got a mission. You've got a role. You've got a purpose. You're not worthless. All right, to wrap this up, here's, here's what I want you to do. Do me a favor. Bow your heads for just a second. And I want you to search deep down within, and, and I wonder if you can hear that tape playing in your mind. I am worthless. I am worthless. And I want you to know today, that is a lie. It is from the pit of hell. It is from the devil. It's from Satan. It's not from God. Now, even though it's not true, if you believe it, it will have power in your life. If you believe a lie, it will become your life. All right, so we're not going to do some silly daily affirmations with Stuart Smalley. Okay, no, no pep rally of I'm awesome. You're not awesome. You're unworthy. But you are far, far from worthless. We combat lies, not with other lies, not with nothing. We combat it with truth. And so what if tomorrow morning you woke up and you remembered that God chose to make you. He decided. He said, I do not want this piece of art without you in it. And then you are created in the very image of God. You reflect his glory. And then you are given dominion over the earth. You have a role to play. Now, yeah, I get it. We, we broke it, no doubt. But instead of groping in the dark, looking for worth where we'll never find it, Instead of trying to fix it ourselves, like we'll be the Savior, what if, what if you hung your life on the fact that God paid Jesus for you? That's your worth. That's your value right there. You were purchased by Christ. And then he placed you in Christ. So the way the Father looks at the Son, that's the way he looks at you. And oh, by the way, if you're a child of God, adopted as a child of God, then you are royalty. You're royalty. And you have a role to play in this kingdom. You're given a kingdom mission, absolutely. Now, folks, I'll tell you what. If the Bible's not true, I cannot help you. You will have that lie playing over and over in your head for the rest of your life. I got nothing for you. If the Bible's not true, you're screwed. But if the Bible is true, don't you dare tell yourself you're worthless. Don't you dare believe that lie. If the Bible's true. You are not worthless. Now, did you earn it? Do you deserve it? No. No, you're unworthy. That's the gospel. You're unworthy. 
but you are far from worthless. Don't you believe that lie? Father in heaven, as we go through this series, I just want to ask you, I want to beg you, speak. These lies are, are bouncing around in our brains and they beat us up and we believe them. And our only hope is that you squeeze them out of our, our minds. We want to ask you to speak into our thinking. And particularly with this lie, how dare we think that we're worthless? Father, we admit and acknowledge before you we broke it and we'll never fix it. We are unworthy. But by grace, because of who you are, you chose us, you redeemed us, you adopted us. Thank you, Lord. We love being your kids. Father, would you allow us to look back to your face and to get our value, our worth from you, from your joy, from your countenance again. And I pray for that in Christ's name. Amen.